now is something that happens now. If you were to define the word now, you would say the definition to now is now. Right now. It's not tomorrow. It's not yesterday. It's not in a few minutes. It's now. And so today we're going to address this whole theme for the year. And we're also going to set it off with something that I believe will release us to live to the potential Christ has created us to live. And in order for that to happen, we have to be untangled from everything that's holding us back. We have to strip off the things that hinder us. We have to to set aside the sin that so easily entangles us. And we have to release ourselves of stuff that's keeping us from running the race that Christ has intended us to run. And so this year, I'm going to ask you to run like you've never run before. I'm going to ask you to run like you were intended to run. I'm going to ask you to run like you did in junior high. I'm going to ask you to compete like you did in junior high. I'm going to ask you, no matter what your age is, to live to the redemptive potential that you were created to live to, not the one that you think it is, but what Jesus thinks it is. This past week, I found myself in the gymnasium of of Lakeland Junior High School, watching my son play in basketball. And I'm always interested by what's on the wall. It's like this wall of fame in gymnasiums. Like, we were the conference champs in 03 and 02 and 09 and 84 and 86. And as I was seated in the stands watching this eighth grade basketball game for Fairfield, I looked to the wall to my right, and on this wall was, it said, all high or, or junior high girls and boys records that were set for cross country and track. So I began to ponder and look at these these meets that were run or these races, these jumps, these throws. And you could look at them and you could see name after name, just name after name. Oh, four. I saw one in 76. I thought, wow, that's pretty incredible. It still hasn't been broken. And so there's these names of people that, that have run this race and done a really, really good job that they were the record setters. They were the pace setters. They set the mark. They raise the bar for everyone else to get to. I'm always intrigued by this. I wonder how often those record setters come walking back into that gymnasium, and maybe they're married, maybe it's 20 years since or 30, and they show their kids and say, there was a day that I could do that. I might not look like it now, but there, there was a day that I could do that. And and maybe it's a mom that comes back because there's girl record, and they look at their, their son and say, there was a day that mom was an athlete. Whether you believe it or not, I was an athlete. Mom, you an athlete? Yeah, I was an athlete. But I wonder if those names listed, girls and guys, are still in the race. I wonder if they're still running that race. I wonder if they're still doing the half-mile run. I wonder if they still got it. I wonder if they've continued the strict training to put their name on the wall, to to accomplish a benchmark. I wonder if the same things they did to get that, that they're doing today. Or I wonder if they're like many Christ followers and athletes. There was a day I used to could, but they sit around and say, you remember the days? That's way past me. Where 
did we and when did we allow that philosophical thinking to infiltrate Christianity and say, it's okay to look back and say, you know what, I had my day. But now is not my day. It was way back then. I'll never forget that. I was on the mountains of Western Maryland with some men, and we were in a tug-of-war match, and, and I was with four or five guys, and we were pulling, and there was another group on the other side that was pulling, and, and a couple of interesting things happened there that while we were there, my team, all of a sudden, all the other guys up on the hill were screaming at him and yelling, just, just, you know, almost like hating their guts. And I said, welcome to my world, guys. Welcome to, they were doing that because I was there. They wanted to see me get beat. Imagine that. And so I said, welcome to my world. So after we got done this, this, this tug of war and they were pulling with everything they had, literally guys were just littered, officers on the ground. One guy walked away and I'm not kidding you, puked, went and puked, just he had given everything. Another guy was laying there. He had brow marks on his arms and he had given everything he could and And he was just spent. I mean, spent. And he looked up from the ground, and I was giving, way to go, guys, way to go. He looked at me, he said, Jim, I haven't given that much since junior high wrestling. And this was 30 years later. And why is that? Why is it that we think in this journey or this race called Christianity, why is it that we think that that's acceptable, that somehow we give up? that that's okay, that just, it's not my time anymore. The reason that is, is because we think these vessels that we're in aren't as good as they used to, could have, would, or been. That somehow they, that we allow this infiltration of, of thinking that comes in and say, let's get a new model. I can't get a new model anymore, Jim. This is the one that God's given me. It looks a little different, and I haven't taking care of it mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally. And so I, I, this is as good as it gets. And so we have adopted this philosophy that, that the world says, if you want something better, you just buy a new, the new one. You get a new car the next year. You get the new model. You get the new iPhone 5. You, 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 when the iPhone 4S or 4 was just fine, but you want the new model, you want to keep up. And then we say, why can't we do this? Listen to me, underneath all of you, whatever, it might be more of you than junior high, underneath all of that, is a soul and a body and a spirit that was created by Creator God to be a lean, mean fighting machine. And we don't need to trade it in. We don't need to get the new model. We just need to go into strict training and become whatever age we're at, the person that Christ intended us to be. You see, you can go to the detail shop of Jesus Christ and say, God, refine me. God, strip me. God, take these things off of me that are hindering me from running this race the way I was intended to run this race. Strip me clean of the sin. Take the stuff that's hindering me, not, in, not necessarily even sin, just stuff that's keeping me from being who I'm supposed to be. The new rebuilt you is ready to rise from the ashes. Now, right now, not yesterday, not junior high, right now. Ready to become the person that Jesus created you to be. And the Bible gives us a prescription of what that looks like. Grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. And if you don't have a Bible and this is your first Sunday here at Grace, take this Bible home. It's yours to keep. Bring it back next week. Every week we, we use the Word of God. It's, your, it's our gift to you. 
But turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Stand with me, and we'll read it together. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Let's read this out loud together. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Ready? Read. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. May have a seat. I love this passage because it tells us to look back at those who have already done it. And then it says to strip ourselves and to throw off the stuff that keeps us from doing it. And then it reminds us to look at him so that we can do it. And then it closes by saying, you know what? It'll help you not to get weary in doing this and giving up if you do these things. It's a great prescription for what a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ should look like. But first and foremost... We must remember this. We're in a race. You know, that might sound like, uh, it, might, it doesn't sound profound, but have you ever considered that you and me are in a race? Did you wake up this morning and think, I got to finish this race. I got to do it well. Did you wake up this morning and realize, hey, today's race day. Not yesterday, but right now. Did you consider that you needed to do some work to be equipped And have you done the proper training, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, intellectually, to be prepared for the race? Have you done your homework? Have you done the discipline of working out in all those areas so that when race day comes, when you wait, you are ready to compete? We are in a race, not a walk, but a race. Just stop and consider that truth right now. You and I are in a race, Hebrews says, marked out for us. So, there is this path, not at another school, not, not down the street, not where we were in junior high, but right here, this is the race, and it's marked out. It's like Jesus has marked it out. He's pulled the runner out and said, there's your lane. Not here, not here, not here. Right there's your lane. We have a race marked out for us. And then he tells us, the author tells us, that you're supposed to run it with perseverance. And then there have been many others who have run the race well. That shows us in Hebrews chapter 11. But the race didn't stop with them once they passed. This race has nothing to do with age, your name, your job, whether you're single or married, whether you're young or old. If your heart is still ticking, go ahead and check. If you can do that, your heart's ticking, then you are in a race. You are supposed to run the race. You're not supposed to say, I've already run my race. See the wall? Let the young ones run it now. Your race continues until you breathe your last breath. But part of the problem is this. Some are in the wrong race. 
we're in some other path. We got diverted by sin. We got diverted by choices. We got diverted by poor decisions. We got diverted by this dangling temptation that came, and we went this way, and our race is here. And so we wake up, and we're running in circles far away from the race that God and Christ has intended us and marked out for us to run. Some have memories of race days. Have you ever been with someone that all they talk about is the glory days? It's like, remember 15 years ago? You remember five years ago? You remember 30 years ago? You remember used to, woulda, coulda, shoulda days? And Jesus is saying, no, not only are those days good, but we still should be running right now. Some are not even in the race anymore. We think, well, I'm I'm incapable, and it's because, I mean, I'm not ready. And maybe the reason you're not ready is because you're being hindered. Maybe you're not ready because you're, you're, you're being tangled in sin. Maybe you're not ready because mentally you've checked out. Maybe you're not ready because you haven't strictly trained to be in the race. And you're saying, now it's my kid's time to run. Listen, there's never a time for us to stop running this Christian race. Many are no longer running, but merely jogging in this race. Some are walking very slowly in this race. Some are feeling the effects of not running for a very long time. And the landscape is littered with junior high achievements. And we have senior high and retired age people wishing they could have done this. Sure, it'll look different today. But ask yourself this question. Are you in a place physically, spiritually, relationally, intellectually, where you can run at your very, very best. What one of those areas is in disengaging you from the race? Paul tells us this, what our goal is in the race. In fact, the word race, if you look at this word race, in the original, in the Greek, it's the Greek word agon. It's where we get the English word agony. So when you think about what's this thing that's marked out, literally the, the text is saying this. Guess what? When you woke up this morning, you have this agony marked out for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Huh? It's going to be hard work. It's going to require some bruises. It's going to require some sweat. It's going to require you doing things that you never thought you could do. It's going to require you reminding of what you used to do to get what you got. It's agony. The race is not meant for those who haven't been properly equipped to run. But let me tell you a little secret today in case you've forgotten. You've been equipped with everything you need to run this race. That's what scripture says. Paul tells us what our goal in this race is. Hold your finger here and turn back to 1 Corinthians. Look at verse nine, or chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look what Paul says about this race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Would you please turn there? Look at verses 24 to 27. Paul says this about the race that we're in that's been marked out for us. He says this in verse 24 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you not know that in a agony or race, all the runners what? But only one gets the what? But run in such a way as to get the what? Everyone who competes in the games goes into what kind of training? They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we, Christ followers, do it to get a crown that will last how long? Therefore, 
Paul says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So guess what? Paul says, run the race to win the race. There is no other way for Christ followers to compete. Guess what? You and I are in it to win it. It was never meant to be passive luxury. Maybe we need to ask each other this coming year, and I invite you. I think if we change our terminology this year, instead of saying with someone, hey, how's your walk with the Lord going? Is your, is your walk close to God? Why don't you ask him this? Hey, how's your run for Jesus going this year? Hey, how are you running? Are you running to optimal performance? Instead of saying walk, even philosophically in my mind, I picture someone walking and I picture someone running. There's a difference in the posture and the visual picture for me. So this year when you're with someone that you're trying to see where they're at, instead of asking, hey, how's your walk with the Lord? Is your walk with the Lord good? Say, hey, how are you running with Jesus? How's your run going? Isn't that when we ask when someone's running? Hey, when they come back from running, you ask them this. Hey, how did your run go? Well, it wasn't a good day. It wasn't this. We barely talk to someone who's supposed to be running the race after they're done. Say, how was your walk? You say, how did your run go? Then Paul says this in regards to this race in Colossians 3.23. Just listen. He said, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Jim Brown paraphrase for this. Here's what it means. Run that puppy to win it. That's what it means. Run to win it. You see, a lack of desire to win is a basic problem with Christianity. We have somehow made the lack of desire to win a worldly thing. And it goes like this. Well, you're just too competitive. (laughs) I've never heard that, by the way. Never heard that. You see, somehow... We've taken that you're just too competitive and make it like a sinful thing. Like, Jim, he's just the competitive type. I say, no, I'm just the biblical type. And the biblical type says, do you ever think Jesus wasn't in it to win it? Do you ever think Jesus just lived passive and he had this luxurious lifestyle of on the beach and just sitting and watching the world go by? Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, run the race to win the prize. Yet somehow we think that's like ungodly. Like, you shouldn't win it. Aren't you just glad? Let's just get in the race. Let's just, let's just run. And afterwards, let's get some blizzards. Let's just do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't see that. Let's just get in the race so we can get a shirt that says 5K. 474 hours and 34 days. Finished. No, you run to the peak performance that you were created to run. Not passively. And so if you're one of those people who are in it to win it and someone comes to you, man, you're just too competitive. No, I'm just too biblical. That's what Paul said. And so this year, and it looks different for everybody. And don't try to maybe be like someone else because we're all gifted and talented differently in different areas. And, you know, I'll never be, be able to do what Pastor Jeremiah and Pastor Jeremy do musically. I'll never be able to do that. But there's some things that I can do that they can't do. And I'm okay with that. 
But the things I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to do them in such a way that it's as good and the effort is as great and it's for the goal to to ultimately lift up Jesus Christ. And so are you. And by the way, I don't see the word retirement in the Bible. I don't see us like, well, I had the days, but now it's the grandkids' days. Now it's days where, Jim, you're just, and maybe the reason we've checked out of the race and disengaged from this race is because we haven't went into strict training in some areas that need some strict training. The lack of desire to win is just plainly not acceptable for Christ followers. Most are just content to be in the race. We need a game face for every single day. Yet way too many think that just qualifying for the race is enough. You see, once you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you personalize him, and he becomes the Lord and leader of your life, and you repent of your sins, you get on the list. You qualify for the race. But listen, the race doesn't stop with the qualification. Imagine the Daytona 500 that happens here in February. Imagine the, the qualifier. Just imagine someone like a, a Jeff Gordon or, or Kurt Busch. Or, or imagine, imagine someone that, that is a main name, Tony Stewart. They qualify for the race, and they're all lined up. You know, and so the pace car takes them out. And after the pace card goes down into and, and, and the lane away from them, into pit row, he stops and sits on the track. And everyone goes around and is like, what the world is Stuart doing? I qualified. And he talks to his pit crew. I'm so happy I qualified. I qualified. No, the pit crew, his chief would say, race, pedal to the metal, Stuart. Push someone on that track. And the picture is that you are bumping and you are pushing bumper and you are drafting and you are in dangerous agony trying to win this race. But let me ask you a question. How long has it been since you really, really, really gave everything for Jesus? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, intellectually. How many of you have kind of qualified well, Pastor Jim, I qualified 1983 at Bible camp. And you know what? I became a Jesus follower. And you know what? Praise God, I'm on the list. I qualified. I got the shirt. And you know what? I even have a couple of old WJ, WJD just said, what would Jesus do? Listen, it's time we strip off the shirts and start living what Jesus would do. That's just not acceptable for us. That was never meant to be the end of the race. You know, here's kind of the posture. Now, let me give you a visual here, what that probably looks like to the Lord as I think about this is the picture that many of us have. It's like we, we get saved and, and, you know, we're on the list, and then all of a sudden our lives become this. It's like I don't see this in Scripture. You know, when I look at the cross of Jesus Christ, I don't see this picture. I'm on the list! I qualified. Give me, remember we used to call these big bosses. Give me another big boss. It's like we, we, like we checked out. It's like we can't wait to get in the chair to watch our favorite show. And this is the picture of Christ followers who have checked out of the race. It's like, man, we don't haven't memorized scripture in a while. We haven't run a race, but man, angry birds. And then we say, look, I made that list. 
And so we've, we've reduced ourselves to being busy with other things. How many times have you tried to have a conversation with someone? It's this. We've distracted ourselves with all these things, and, and we have so many gadgets, and men just love them. It's like, men, remote this, remote that. All we need is someone to feed me. Remote, remote, remote. Man, if we could design that, we would just sit here for the rest of our lives until Jesus would talk comes home. Let me say something today. This is not the posture of an elite athlete for Jesus Christ. This is not the posture that we're supposed to take from a blood-stained Savior who went to the cross and died and put us on the list so that we could reach others. That's not the posture. Let me ask you something, though. What is causing you? Is it physical? Is there something that you've checked out of? Is it spiritual? Is it relational? Is it emotional? Is it a discipline? You know, we make all these New Year resolutions. How about throw out the New Year resolutions and develop some good habits? Spend time in God's Word. Engage yourself in in life-changing ministry opportunities. Get your butt off the couch and shed some weight that's holding you back and hindering you. Ask yourself this question. Are you in the best running condition that you've ever been, regardless of age? Is this the best that you can be at your age in light of what's at stake? In fact, this passage says, therefore, since we've been surrounded, in other words, there's people who've already done it before. I mean, look at chapter 11. Look what some of these race runners did. Look at verse 24 of chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated. Wow. Why? Along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He didn't want to be entangled by sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt that would have put him in a sedentary lifestyle because he was looking ahead to his reward. In other words, he was running for the prize. He was all in. And that meant giving up something that was pretty nice and comfortable. Then it says this, by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Listen to me. He left his place of familiarity so that he could go and run the race that God had marked. How many of you are willing to leave your place if that's what Christ calls you for? And that's the race marked out. But I know everybody here, and my family's here, and we're nice and comfy, and the grandkids are going to retire with me, and I'll show them what I've done. (laughs) This is great. Is that the philosophy that we have allowed to infiltrate our minds? Look at the rest of this list. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea onto dry ground. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Jeff and Jerry and Dave and Becky and Barbara, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, 
quench the fury of the flames and escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign ar- armies. Look at verse 37. Who were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Why? Because they were in the agony. The race isn't meant to be easy. That's why we need to equip ourselves so that we can keep our gaze and our focus on Jesus and we can finish the race. Otherwise, we're not even in the race. So Paul gives us this beautiful picture of what it's supposed to look like. We're supposed to win it. And the author of Hebrews says, here's all the people who have done it well. It's difficult. It's agony. Yet we keep trying to push away where we don't have to give as much and work as hard. We keep trying to build towards this time when we can just put our feet on the beach and check out. I don't see that in Scripture. I see us running the race that Christ has marked out for. It might mean that you retire to some really nice place. But let me tell you something. If you're not sharing your faith and you're still not on mission, wherever that beautiful place is, then you're not running the right race. Many Christ followers have quite frankly dropped out of the race. And it happens real subtle. It's like, like you go like three weeks and then it goes like a year and then it goes two years and all of a sudden you have this extra stuff that you're busy with that Rich talked about last week. You have these other things that have prioritized and all of a sudden your kids become more important in their goals instead of Jesus' goals for you. And all of a sudden you start chasing their dreams instead of what about me? And all of a sudden because we try to justify in our minds our condition physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and, and, and spiritually, we feel good about, well, at least they got it together and we vicariously live through them. Let me tell you, when you stand before Jesus Christ, their accomplishments, you won't answer for them, you'll answer for yours. Run like you were built to run, is what the author is saying. Run like you were built to run. Let me state the obvious from Psalm 139 and verse 14. The psalmist says it this way, that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the God that created us says his works are wonderful. I would say it this way. You and I have been built by the master creator called God. And when he designed you, he had great plans for the way that you were built. And so when he built us, he said, this is the purpose I have for your life. Years back when Rick Warren came out with his book, The Purpose Driven Light, the first line in it was, it's not about you. So the minute we think it's about us, we're running the wrong race. (laughs) It's about God and it's about others. And so we have been built to run a race that's marked out for us. God made us, equipped us, physically, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, relationally, to run in such a way. He's gifted us. He's given us talents. And by the way, Scripture says in Matthew 25, if we don't use our gifts, we lose them. And so we're supposed to use those and, and then work on those and build on those and go into strict training so that we run to the optimal performance that we were designed to run. He didn't build us to be bystanders. 
He didn't build us to, to look 20 years down the road and 30 years down the road and say, that's what I used to be able to do. Pretty good, huh? He didn't build us that our praises are 20 and 30 years ago. He built us to run now. Right now. Now. And every time you have a now, it's now. He built us to run now. He created us in a perfect way. You were not built to be placed on a shelf to look at one day and say, boy, you remember the days? We were not meant to be floor models. We were not meant to be like car museums. You go to car museums, and I tell you, here's what happens to me. I go to these car museums, and by the way, I would just buy, if you want to give me one, my, my favorite vehicle would be a 68 RSS Camaro. I mean, you want the, with the, the racing stripes down the center, 327, 375 horsepower, dual exhaust, and just some rally wheels. By the way, that's what, you can just do it, just bring it up. By the way, but let me tell you something. If you give it to me, it's not going to set my garage. There's going to be black marks on County Road 146. <laughs> I'm going to drive that thing. So when I see these cars sometimes, it's like these museum cars, and it's like, Man, what a waste! What a waste! Do you know what is under that hood? Just give me three hours in that puppy, and I'll show you. It wasn't meant to be a museum that you go to. We weren't meant to be built and say, wow, look what that is capable of, and never living it out. We weren't meant to be trailer queens that we haul to places. A lot of times guys will do that. They'll haul their motorcycles to these bike outings. They trailer queen them there, and then they ride them around a little bit while they're there. We weren't meant to be placed on a trailer and say, wow, that's a nice one. We were meant to just cut loose. What a waste. And what a waste. When God looks at us, the creator of the humankind, and sees us. Here. We're encumbered by sins and weight and not living to our redemptive potential. I've got to believe there's times he would say, no, I made you for so much more than that. I made you for so much more than that. Why are you wasting that horsepower? (laughs) What a tragic waste it is when we don't make our creator proud. You know, here's what I mean by that. Go make your creator proud. He's the inventor. Put his name on the trophy. And then when they ask, how is it that you're able to do that? (laughs) Let me tell you about him. (laughs) He made this. Sometimes people look at that. He made that. You know how we celebrate inventors all the time and their their, their products? I mean, just think about these these couple I have here. I mean, these are mine, and and this is, it's an iPhone 4, which is plenty. I don't need Siri. Tell me jokes. I don't need, and an iPad that works well. That and, But if we would turn it back, we know what this stands for, what the inventor... And, and most of us know, when we think of a name that just passed away, we think of Steve Jobs. And when we think about Apple, we think about Steve, and we think about, wow, that guy can create. Can he? Why would you buy any other product but Apple? I mean, we almost have these Apple clones because it's a good product. It's like, 
Apple. If you don't buy Apple, then something's wrong with you. And yet when people look at us, do they see God? Or what do they see? Do we point others to the creator by the way our product works? Oh, come on, church. We're different. The creator God designed us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We should be distinctly different than any other non-Christ follower. But are we? The major problem is that we've attached all this junk to our lives that keeps us from running the way that we've been built to run. In fact, Hebrews 12 says to throw off everything that hinders you. You know what the word hinder means? It means to cause delay, to interrupt the race, to hamper the race, to prevent from doing the race, to be encumbered by stuff in our lives that doesn't allow us to run the way we were intended to run. And boy, do we have sometimes not even like in our, will be classified as sinful things unless we do it to excess. We have things like that weigh us down, video games. And I said this already, fantasy sports. I know guys that spend 10 to 12, 20 hours a week looking at trades and injuries and, 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 and spending hours so they can get their name on the computer screen that says, I won. <laughs> Listen, guys, it's fantasy. We play video games and we read romance novels and we have busy schedules with not even sinful stuff, just stuff that distract us from the race. We have knitting clubs and TV shows. Holy cow, TV shows? Oh my goodness, we can't watch our show. We have to TiVo that baby. And then we, I can't wait to get home to watch it. And we go to work with eyes that are bloodshot because we could not miss The Bachelor. Listen, I struggle with that stuff too. Listen, I'm prone with that. Listen, I could be a gold rush junkie. I love the swamp people. I would love to wrestle alligators. I love History Channel and Discovery Channel. And there's sometimes I have to say, Jim, get back in the race. But I want to see one more gator killed the same way with a 22 in the head and put in the boat. Just one more. It's like, what's wrong with me? I watched 7,000 over the last five years. Same procedure, bam, boom, boom, boom. I'm prone to that too. And it's in those times where the Spirit says, Jim, get back in the race. I just wish I could fast forward Gold Rush into one episode. I just want to see if they get gold. Quit giving me all behind the scenes stuff. Just show me, do they get it or they don't. But they know how to reel you in and dangle you for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Weighs us down. The author gives us a pretty picture that many in this room can't run the way we've been built to run because we're being hindered. I would say this too. The primary thing that hinders us from running is you and your excuses. 
after 51 years of life, I turned 51 the first week of January, I've heard quite the list of excuses. And they go in a variety of ways. But every excuse either paralyzes us, chokes us, or weighs us down and disables us from running this race the way we're supposed to run it. And the racetrack is littered with Christians that have quit running with all kinds of excuses. And after a while, I just want to say, blah, 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 sin. And they go like this. And listen to me. I know you don't want to hear this, but this is the truth. Here's the excuses. I'm too old. I'm not gifted. My past is too ugly. I'm too out of shape. It's too late. It's my dad's fault. I should have done it earlier. I had my chance. I don't have enough money. I need a better fill in the blank. It's too hard. Let the young ones do it. Well, or you're just better and capable of doing it. You have more. You have experience at it that I don't have. You don't fight the things that I fight against. Just a litany of lame excuses. Let me just say this, and as honest as I can say this, some of you are just plain lazy. I know you don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. And so you just build these excuses. It's like, I don't want to get healthy spiritually. I don't want to get healthy physically. I just want to be hurt the rest of my life. And I don't want to run at optimal performance. I want to run at 20 horsepower when I've been designed to build to run with 375 horsepower. It just takes too much time. I don't have time to do that. Guess what? Get your butt out of bed earlier and do it. Get a headlamp and run at night. Get in the Word and read it regularly. Pull yourself away and listen to the voice of God. It's agony. It's not luxury. You don't want to work hard enough to win this thing. But you want to win the lottery. You just keep throwing your money there. Well, I hope I win that lottery. And if I win that, then I'll get to where I'm supposed to be. You know what happens? You get there. Instead of having a 44-inch TV, you buy a 4,000-inch TV. And you, instead of having a, a, a lazy boy, you have 10 of them. And instead of having one house, you have six houses. Listen to me. The person that you're being today is the person you're becoming tomorrow. Don't expect some inheritance. Don't expect some gift in the mail. Don't expect the lottery to change you. Your discipline in Jesus Christ will change you far before that. There's not an easy button in this race. We're just loaded down and weighed down, and so we think we can't run. There was a movie that came out years ago, and I'm not saying this is a great movie you need to go watch, so don't send me emails, okay? I'll just delete it. But in this movie, there was a scene where Forrest Gump was running. And in this scene, it's a picture of someone being weighed down. And finally getting free. It's like finally they throw off the weight and they run the way they were intended to run. Watch this. Hey, dummy! Are you proud or just playing stupid? No, I'm Forrest Gump. Just run away, Forrest. Run, Forrest! Run away! Hurry! Get the bikes! Hurry up! Let's get it! Run, Forrest, run! Run, 
Now, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. But I can run like the wind blows. From that day on, if I was going somewhere, I was running. himself free of that and just runs the way he was intended to run makes me want to jump off the stage and just go run and say I'll see you next week don't you want that instead of that Christ has intended us to run run the race marked out for us and yet we've allowed stuff and sin to entangle us and keep us from running. Imagine how God feels when he watches us waste this incredible machine that was built to run in a far better way. Imagine, even worse, that how we get weighed down by a book of excuses. We need to go back to the owner's manual and reread who we are and who our inventor and our creator is and how he set an example saying, This is the way you're supposed to ride in 2013. The text says literally strip yourselves of the stuff. Let me try to demonstrate that. Ross, can you come help me for a second? We're all familiar with what a, a treadmill looks like. Ross, can you start running on this treadmill for us? I mean, we run on the treadmill to get better at what we're doing. And so start running, Ross. But what happens when we add some weight to this runner? Here, here, Ross, run with that. Ross, run with that too. And while you're at it, Ross, run with this one too. It's not, it's not as easy. Well, you're doing a pretty good job there. So we need to weigh you down some more. Ross, run with this one. I can hear you panting. Ross, run with this one. (laughs) Ross, run, Ross, run. Run with this one, Ross. I think I'll stand here a while and just watch you run. What's wrong with this picture? And then it says, not only being weighed down by those choices, then it says, being entangled in sin. Ross, let's watch you run now. Come on, Ross, run! Run, Ross, run! Man, you're sweating, dude. Can you step off, Ross, without tangling and dangling and falling? Come here a second, Ross. Let me ask you a question. Is this the picture of a fully... Man, you're breathing hard. (laughs) Fully equipped, design 
trained motor that's been supposed to be run at full throttle? Is this what Christ went to the cross for? Go ahead and drop some weight, Ross. How's that feel? (laughs) You can have a seat, Ross. Thanks. Can we give Ross a hand? The author here says that we get entangled with sin that holds us back. We get, we get weighted down by choices. He says to strip ourselves, to, to remove those things, to cut ourselves out of the stuff so that we can run the race the way we were intended to run it. Yet we don't because we have a litany of sins that we kind of like. They're some of our pet sins. We have the spirit of doubt and fear and shame and lust and adultery and hatred and gossip and resentment and guilt and whatever else comes along the way. You, we just keep getting tangled up in these sins. It's like, but I want to run like I did in junior high. There was a day. And the author says, strip yourselves, cut loose of that so that you can run and not be hindered and weighed down. The Bible also tells us that in Genesis 4, that sin is crouching at the door. So every race day, standing at your door is this net ready to just dangle and trap you. So we got to be prepared. We got to be equipped. We must go into strict training so we can just run the way we're supposed to run. And then the author says, in order to run, we have to have a target. We're supposed to fix our eyes on the author and creator and perfecter of our faith who's already run the race, who's already done it in a perfect way, who's already given us an example, who's already seated beside God the Father in heaven, who's finished the course well. And it says to fix our eyes on him. And the word fix means to look at and to gaze, a continuous, sustained look at something. So every day when we get up, We are glued in on Jesus Christ and we're not distracted by these things that are dangling that want to strangle us and entangle us along the way. The best picture that I can give of something that's fixed and gazed, some of you might remember Mike Singletary when he played for the the Chicago Bears, his eyes in the helmet. Do you remember his eyes? It's like he was watching the ball. Everywhere the ball went, Mike's eyes were on you. And that's the picture, wake up every day gazing, a sustained look at the creator God. And as long as you look at him, and as long as you remain focused on the race that he's marked out for you, you will finish it and you will win the prize and give him the glory. Yet the second we take our eyes off Jesus, you will fall short. This race is meant to win. So what will it be for you? Another year of shoulda, woulda, coulda's? It's too hard, it's too difficult. Oh, my, my knees hurt, my arms hurt, my head hurts, my ankle hurts. And when they feel better, then I'll do it. I don't have enough time to read God's word. I don't, I, listen to me, I had a guy tell me recently, I, I met in Hagerstown over break when I went there. He said, Jim, I'll never forget. By the way, this isn't self-glory. I'm just trying to encourage you. He said, I'll never forget something you said to me. You said, Jim, you want to remain fit so that you can 
take care of your wife in old life. And when she is old, you will be fit emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and you can give her your best instead of her having to care for you. Wouldn't it be a goal if every man gave that gift to his wife? Let me tell you, men, if you gave that gift to your wife where she saw you in the word, where she saw you growing spiritually, relationally, physically, where she saw you eating correctly, where she saw you serving correctly, you would raise up a woman with great confidence because she knows that you will be there to the end doing everything you can to care, to lead, and protect her. And yet we're given the opposite picture. We're hoping that somehow she'll be there. So will this year just be another year of the same old, same old? Ross, can you come back up? Hop back on the treadmill and run like, like, like you, you really want to run. Nothing hindering you. Woo, baby. Run, Ross, run. Wouldn't it be awesome if he just ran like this and we ran like that? Come on, buddy, run! Go, Ross, go, run! Run, Ross, 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 run! He's running, look at him, he's still running! Run, Ross, run! Run, Ross, run! Run, Ross, run! That is so mucky out there, but run, Ross, run! It's agony! Run, Ross, run! Go, Ross, run! Let's give Ross a hand, huh? No great achievement, success, win, accomplishment, or discovery will ever happen in 2013 by sitting idly by. It must begin in the heart, be birthed out of prayer, be honed in the study, be pushed by a will to win, be wrapped in passion, be dripping with blood, sweat, and tears, be verb visualized before it's realized. Be capable of deflecting all the naysayers. Be able to withstand great criticism and is empowered by deep conviction that no one else is willing to defend but the person smiling on the victory side in 2013. Now listen to me. Go run. Listen to me. Go, go, go run. 2013, go. We'll see you next week. Go run. Go run. Come on, let's see. Go. Just go. Go run. Run. See you next week.